This is the Next Door Heroes podcast. Do you, so does your office, because I love office spaces, does your view have just like rolling green fields or? It does. It uh, overlooks our learning gardens. So not wow. only do I get a beautiful view, I often get dozens of school children out there learning and, and coming in to use the restroom in nature. or something. Yes. Yeah. Also yeah, all that. the time, all the time. <laughs> but the learning is great. Right. So do they like grow crops and everything like that and teach them how to farm? Or? A little bit. Gotcha. Uh, a little bit of farm to table. We grow herbs and some seasonal vegetables throughout the year and we've got a whole internship and fellowship program designed around that. So we actually have older college students teaching young students in the, the Memphis and Mid-South area about where their food comes from. It's pretty special. Wow, that's incredible. So when I first, well, first of all, everyone, uh, welcome to Next Door Heroes podcast, episode number three. We're so, so, so very excited to have Rebecca Daly from the one, the only Shelby Farms uh, joining us. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. We're Ethan and I, um, even though he won't tell you right now, are so incredibly excited to have you on the podcast. Um, Shelby Farms hits home for both of us, and I know it does you as well. And um, we're just so incredibly, incredibly excited to have you. So back to what I was saying, because now that we've done the introduction. So when I f- first moved to Memphis, we went to the zoo as well. And it blew my mind that they had a like farm portion of a zoo with like horses and chickens and cows and everything like that. And I thought to myself, you know, wow, I'm not from a big city. I, you know, went to school in Alabama and my parents now own 30 acres and it used to be a a huge farm. And I, it didn't realize, it didn't hit me until then that sometimes kids don't know oh, this is where my egg comes from, is a chicken. And that blew my mind. And one of the zoo workers there was telling me about that. And so it's cool that you have that program because, honestly, kids might not know how to grow a vegetable. And it's awesome. I remember doing it in a little Dixie cup yes, in class. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do some of that with them. We do some some workshops throughout the year so that kids can take some of the, the knowledge that they gained here and take it back home, which is really important because – um, as we were talking earlier, agriculture really shaped this region, right. but that's not the lifestyle that our youth are living today. And so right. finding even small ways to keep them in touch with that is, is so important. Right. Absolutely. Um, so moving into this, because already people see, okay, they've got incredible things already. So why don't we keep going? How about you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, how long you've lived in Memphis, you know, how long have you been part of Shelby Farms, and kind of what your role is and what you do for the park. Sure. So I am a native Memphian, a lifelong Midtowner, um, but I actually didn't grow up coming to the park very much. Uh, Overton Park was my, my neighborhood park, but I was really kind of an indoors kid, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> I didn't really uh, discover the, the beauty of the outdoors until I went to college. Um, I spent a few years uh, at a little school in East Tennessee, wound up having to come home early. 
um, and decided that if I was going to be back in Memphis, which I hadn't planned on doing, that I really needed to invest in where I was living. And I wound up having an incredible opportunity to get an internship at the park, and, and that kept me in Memphis. I got to design the park's first ever summer camp programs, wow. uh, which was a really special experience. And a big part of that was uh, developing curriculum to connect kids to their, their food system. And like you said, there are kids who don't know that eggs come from chickens or right. that tomatoes don't come from cans. Uh, and so putting them physically in touch with uh, their food gave them a lot of empowerment about their nutrition right. and their health. Um, so we, we started that summer camp in 2011. Uh, it was a really fun, exciting exhausting experience, yeah. um, but it was well worth it because our camps actually won the National Health and Fitness Award through That's the so National, cool. thanks, the, the National Recreation and Parks Association. To, so to have come from <laughs> no camps at right. all to one of the best in the country right. was really great. Uh, and I was fortunate that I, I won a job at the park after that. Uh, they, was that like the prize it, afterwards? I, I, that's how I like to think of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I was really only hired on to run the summer camps, but uh, tried to invest myself as much as possible. And it was uh, so special that the park invested in me. Uh, and they brought me on to help run communications, and I have been here ever since. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, communicating with us and telling us your story. So um, Shelby Farms obviously does a lot. For people who don't know, and correct me because you know way more than I do about this place, so Shelby Farms is the largest urban park in America. That's right. We are 4,500 acres, uh, so that is five times bigger than Central Park in New York City. It's a great park. It's a beautiful park, but it's a lot smaller than ours. Right, right. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and tell us the story behind it then? Because I know a little bit. It used to, I, when I came here, I was told it was a peanut farm. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Close. It Close. Was, okay. it, was a, it was a penal farm, which okay. is another word for a prison farm. Right. Um, and so from the 1920s to the 1960s, uh, Shelby County uh, used this as a working prison farm, but it was a model farm. Uh, the prisoners grew all of the food for the prison system here in Shelby County, and any surplus went into schools and hospitals or was sold for profit. Um, in turn, the prisoners learned a farm trade, uh, and that system was a model that was revered all around the world. People came from kind of every corner of the, the, the United States and um, from other places to see why this system was working so well. Um, and it did work well for a few decades, but in the 60s, the prison system started changing. So um, the, the, par the farm shut down and the land was just open for public use. Um, it was not protected as parkland in any way. Uh, the county owned it, they mowed the grass, um, they did the best they could with the very small budget that they had, but they didn't have the means to really elevate the space. And over the years, there were several opportunities for the park to be sold off for profit, for development, um, all sorts of ideas ranging from turning it into a golf course or a model living community mm. or a safari park. Um, well, well, you know. Uh, maybe you can add that <laughs> one day. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but there was this group of citizens that... Any time this would come up for the land to be sold off, they, they kept championing the idea of protecting the space. Um, because if you really think about it, 4,500 acres of green space, at the time it wasn't in the heart of the community, but it was connected to it. Um, having that amount of land anywhere is 
unheard of these days. Right. Um, so over the, the decades, that group kept you know, keeping that notion out there, and thankfully the county never sold it. Um, and in 2007, there was a group of these great people championing the park, um, the Friends of Shelby Farms, and they became the Shelby Farms Park Alliance. And the, uh, we officially were able to form a 501c3 nonprofit uh, to create a private-public partnership with Shelby County, which means the county owns the property, but we as the Nonprofit Conservancy are able to raise additional funds to help care for and elevate uh, and program the land. So that partnership is what has made the park what it is today. And the very first thing that um, the Conservancy did after it was established was the most important thing, probably. Uh, they were able to get a conservation easement legally protecting this as parkland. That's awesome. Um, so the the park will remain a park. Um, That's great. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yay parks. Um, uh, so that happened in 2008. So the park is really only about 10 years old. Yeah, it's young. Um, as, a, as a park and right. as an organization. Right. So there's, because what I've noticed is, in not being in Memphis very long, but falling in love with Memphis the more and more I'm here, is a, a lot of the big companies here, we all know who they are, have it was my understanding that they really rallied behind this idea and just said, hey, we want to help as much as we can. Is that, am I correct in understanding that? Absolutely. The The park is a people-powered park, and, and I mean that in the truest sense from, you know, volunteers that are, you know, boots on the ground helping clear the trails to we do have some of the most wonderful and generous investors in the city. Um, helping take care of the park. And it's also been an incredible talent retention tool. Uh, we see a lot of companies coming to us, um, not more passively actually, that their employees, they, they bring them here when they're trying to recruit people from other cities and say, hey, we've got this great thing out here. Your family can really invest in this space. Right. Uh, so that's been really special to see. Right. Because it's awesome when a community comes together for an issue, let alone just one person trying to, you know, I believe that you should never doubt or try to push down anyone's excitement. And so when a whole community comes together and says, hey, we want to park, like, why stop that? Exactly. That momentum is, is what made the park what it is today. And right. to go from a very simple, 4,500 acres that had been shaped by agriculture, right. segmented forests, not a lot of programmed space right. to one of the premier parks in the world. Yeah, this has got a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't think that people really, you know, maybe they're not listening and they're not from, or they're listening and they're not from Memphis. Mm -hmm. If you are ever in the area, you have to stop by. When I first moved to Memphis, this was the very first thing I did outside of my regular job. And I want to come back almost every weekend. And if I'm not working, I try to, but something always comes up. And so I've only been the one time. But it's incredible. It's such an amazing place. And so talk about, you know, you obviously, okay, so you got the easement, correct, for it to be registered as park and it's not going anywhere and everyone's super excited to hear that now right, right so what was the next step I mean what did you decide okay well we got to mow the grass or was it <laughs> you know go into planning what was the original plan did something change the answer is both uh, you know we had to find a way to keep the daily operations going 
which included mowing the grass, but we really wanted to champion the idea that this park belongs to everyone. Um, for a long time, it was really viewed as an East Memphis space, more of an elite kind of small group of people tended to use it. Um, and so we wanted to understand what the broader community what their hopes and dreams were for this space, not just as an immediate need, but 10, 20, 50 years down the road. So we started a master planning visioning process. We went into community centers and libraries and churches and just asked people what they wanted out of the park. Uh, and the results were incredible. One of the things that we uh, uh, was most frequently asked for was cycling and pedestrian access. Mm -hmm. That didn't exist uh, when the park first came to be. Right. Food in the park. That took a while, but it's right. here now. Right. Um, and and an incredible play space. Right. Um, and what people actually wanted the most out of anything else was they wanted it to remain a retreat. They mm -hmm. didn't want a ton of buildings. They didn't want a ton of activities. And so uh, part of that process was also finding a landscape architect who mm -hmm. could help make that plan a reality. And uh, we chose James Corner Field Operations out of New York City. They are world-renowned. Uh, one of the projects that you may be familiar with that they worked on uh, is the High Line in okay. New York, which yeah. is uh, the park in the sky. It's incredible. Right. Um, and so the, the caliber of work that went into our master plan is nothing to sneeze right. at, for sure. Right. Um, so... After that was all settled, uh, we, we decided to launch the capital fundraising plan for that. So that's separate from our daily operational fundraising. Uh, and it was, uh, after everything was laid out, projected to be a $70 million project. Wow. Um, and it was a great time to launch it. Not really. Uh, yeah. We launched it right as the economy tanked. Oh, yeah. Uh, not a great time for fundraisers. Um, not a so, great time for anything, really. Not really. Right. <laughs> and so we kind of went back to the drawing board um, with the game plan and were able to uh, make the decision to pull three projects from the master plan, decide to fully fundraise and complete those projects, before tackling the largest chunk of the project. Um, so we call those our demonstration projects, and mm -hmm. those were the Wolf River Pedestrian Bridge, that mm -hmm. beautiful bridge connecting the Wolf River Greenway to the, the northern half of the park. Right. Uh, then Shelby Farms Green Line, right. which is our Rails to Trails project, and those are the two first uh, cycling and pedestrian access points into the park. Uh, and then our Woodland Discovery Playground. Gotcha. Um, and those projects were chosen um, for their significance, especially for access. If we were going to make a park for everyone, we needed to make sure that everyone could access the park. Correct. Uh, not everyone in Memphis owns a car or has access to a car. And at the time, there was no way to get here on public transportation either. Um, so those were really important projects to create a sense of ownership um, for everyone in the city. The, the Green Line physically connects a series of neighborhoods that range um, from uh, some of the wealthiest to some of the, the most at need. Right. Um, and to, to see all of those neighbors come together, uh, they weren't excited at the very beginning <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to have a, um, you know, a trail coming essentially through their backyard. But we've seen more people getting out and exercising. We've seen the community come together. And that was really important uh, for us to do that first. Uh, and then we had to give them a space to come play. So we, we built the Woodland Discovery Playground, which if you haven't visited that. Uh, oh, I've seen <laughs> uh, multiple children by probably the truckloads out there. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's, it's an incredible space because not only is it 
unique in appearance and in the way that the children play with it. Uh, it was sustainably designed. Um, so that site actually has sustainable site certification, which is similar to LEED certification, but for outdoor space. Um, so it's, it was an incredible opportunity to teach kids that they can have something fantastic and not have to use all new materials for it. Right, absolutely, because I think that's something, and I'll touch on this, but I think that's something that the world is moving to, is how can we do this with the resources that we have? And it's amazing because you're showing people, not only in Memphis, but in the world, that, hey, we have some ideas here. Like, let's try and work on how we can do that across the world. You know, like a lot of buildings and skyscrapers are now looking at, how can we incorporate natural landscape into buildings? And same thing with playgrounds, are doing the same things. Um, I, my natural playground was the tree outside growing up. and But it's cool because they, once again, living in a city. You don't always have that. Exactly, absolutely. Um, and so going back to what you were saying, the about the positivity that the community is giving, that's the whole mission behind this podcast, and that's why we had to reach out to you, is because the stories that I hear about Shelby Farms is incredible. You, I've yet to hear a negative story, and I probably won't, because there's something out here for everyone. Whether you just want to go walk or you want to run 20 miles, you can do all of that. It's So I applaud you, but I'm... Um, talking to really everyone at Shelby Farms, you're doing incredible work, and I don't think it's going unnoticed. So we really, really appreciate what you're doing for us. So let's go, um, you know, how many visitors on average would you say that Shelby Farms has per year? Do you have a way to count that? We do. Uh, We have more than 3 million visitors coming to the park and we know a lot of those are locals. Right. Plenty of uh, folks from, from outside, but this space has really been embraced by the community that built it. Yeah. Um, and we have a really cool system of counting. We don't have an exact count, uh, but we, we're able to really strongly estimate right. um, the, the visitor numbers. We have an innovative system called eco-counters. Okay. Um, you, you've you probably never noticed them because they, they really blend in. Um, and Is it like a hidden tree or something? Kind that's of, got, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I'm interested now. <laughs> I'll have to point one out to you before yeah, you absolutely. leave. Um, so it's just a, a sensor that's underneath um, the, the pavement at some of our entry points and along the green line and key points. Um, so you're never going to notice it. Um, and what it does, it just tracks vibrations but it's sensitive enough that it can tell which direction you're going and what you're using to cross it, whether it's your feet, a bike, or wow, a car. that's so um, cool. So that's been really helpful for us to understand not only how many visitors we have, but how they're accessing the park and where they're accessing the park so that we continue to make improvements um, throughout the years uh, based on that. Uh, but it's a, it's a lot of fun and a lot of folks. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, I couldn't imagine trying to reach all of them every year, but I'm just glad glad that they're coming you yeah know, to absolutely. you and, yeah and like you said there's a little something for everyone right. uh, we wouldn't have that many people if that wasn't the case so there are right. passive ways to enjoy the park plenty of trails quiet spaces that are serene and then yeah. some super active ways to get out and play from our treetop adventure course to stand up paddleboarding um, and then there's always my favorite activity, which is kind of in the middle because you can walk to do it, uh, which is to go see our herd of buffalo. Yeah. So I was just going to mention that because I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, oh yeah, have you ever seen the buffalo? And they're like, no, 
they don't have any. You're being crazy. And then I pulled out my computer and I have a sticker, the Buffalo Love sticker. Yes, It's my yes. favorite. It's my favorite. I love that sticker so much. And it, so how, okay, so I have to ask, because was someone just like, hey, here's 12 Buffalo? Or was it like, hey, we'd like some Buffalo? <laughs> I mean, what is the, because now it's your mascot, it essentially. Is, it is. It is. It has become the icon of the park. Right. Um, a few decades ago, the, the superintendent at the time, uh, Tommy Hill, he had an opportunity to, to bring some buffalo here, but it was a little bit broader. Um, it was an opportunity to connect kids to the natural history um, of the area, and that was an, you know, an interesting choice to be right. made to do that, but we're so glad that, that that decision was made. So the buffalo have been roaming here for about 30 years. That's See, that's incredible to me, because it's I thought of it as someone, you know, a donor, a sponsor, whatever, was just like, hey, I know a guy who's got 12 buffalo. Are you interested? <laughs> yeah. And then you just decided to build. So what, so, because I know they do serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. Explain that purpose, what they actually do for the park, and they're not just hanging out. <laughs> well, they kind of do just hang out. Right. They, they really have become our icons, but they are a teaching tool for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we are able to teach kids a little bit about wildlife uh, specifically about buffalo, but also to, to put them in the context of, of greater wildlife protection. Um, buffalo have been... Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. That's okay. Um, they, it's been a challenge over the, the um, past few decades. They, they've become endangered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so lots of places across the country kind of took herds in to, to try and save that population because they were overhunted. Right. Um, and so the conservation efforts, including ours, um, have been successful, and the buffalo has worked its way up to being the national mammal, yeah. which we love to celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. National Mammal Month. Yeah. It's a thing, yeah. <laughs> and then one question we get a lot is, is there a difference between a bison and a buffalo? Okay, so <laughs> speaking of, I think in our introductory episode, I don't even remember now. I think I say 12 American bison. So what's the difference? Go ahead. Explain so, yeah. it. Um, the, the animal is an, it's an American, um, it's a bison. Right. So the scientific name, the Latin name is bison bison. Uh, but buffalo is a name that refers to the animal's role in American history. It's a colloquialized term. We gotcha. don't have buffalo technically in the right. U.S., but that's a, a term that people know and love, and, and we like buffalo best. So, yeah. so that's what we call them. Yeah, it's... I feel like it's easier because anytime I hear bison, it's sad, but I think like a bison burger or oh, something. No. <laughs> I like, I know it's sad, but it's, yeah. So the other thing that I thought is really cool is, you know, it, it's so focused on giving back. Everything that you do here has an impact. So, for example, when I came my first time, I bought a T-shirt of, you know. and Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> it was a comfort color. I had to buy it. It's So, the cool part about it, though, it was the wonderful woman at the register asked, you know, would you like to round up to help feed the buffalo? And how can you say no to that? Right. Right? And so, but explain more, because every purchase that's made here does go back. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, we are, as I mentioned, a nonprofit. So anything that you're doing in the park that costs money, a portion of that will come back to us in some way. But you can also make general donations. Right. Um, we privately raise more than 75% of the park's operating budget. And um, for the past 
eight or so years, uh, nine years, it's been about $2.5 million is our operating budget. Um, and with our new projects that have opened, um, we've got so much going on. Um, our budget is a little over $4 million a year, and that's, that's what it takes to keep everything up and running. So we added some things in, in addition to our fundraising efforts to help meet those budgetary goals. Right. So if you have a picnic at one of our shelters or a birthday party or a wedding or a gala, or you go to visit the kitchen or take uh, you know, a horseback riding tour, you're supporting the park. Right. Um, and so anything that you, you do that costs money here, you can feel good about spending it. And like right. you mentioned, the gift shop, 100% of those proceeds come back into the park. And the Buffalo Roundup is one of my favorite programs. Yeah, I love it. I uh, think it's because, like, how you can't say no. No, it's, it's just yeah. it's very simple at the cash register in the gift shop. If yeah. you uh, if your purchase is $9.50, you can make the call to donate an extra 50 cents to round out. Absolutely. Uh, it's an easy thing to do. So a little bit of change can go a really long way. I think what you should do is you should be able to – take that 50 cents and like to go deposit it and be able to feed the buffalo obviously that's not going to happen but i think it would be a cool little thing okay so you talked about um earlier all the different features you have um ropes course you have paddle boarding you've got so what kind of features so for someone who maybe you know is looking at it and just thinking oh i've got a weekend to kill what do you offer i mean i love the idea that this is a park for everyone because it truly is if I'll say it again, but if you've never been here, you need to because it's truly a park for everyone. I can come here and know, oh, I can just go hang out on the porch or I can go get dinner or I can go run a 5K if I want to. So what, I mean, what do you guys do? What do you have planned coming up? Mm -hmm. So if someone's coming for a weekend visit, you're welcome to travel with your dogs here. We have a 150-acre off-leash dog park, so plenty of space for your pups to play. I um, go to the dog park sometimes and just sit like if I have to go over and I'm like waiting for my groceries at Walmart or something <laughs> I go sit and just watch the dogs it's, yeah it's yeah, so much fun it's so and, much fun and they they love it so you can do that um if you're a weekend warrior we have free fitness classes here at the park they take place weekdays and weekends totally free through a project diabetes grant and they range from low impact if you're just taking the first steps of a fitness journey or if you really are a weekend warrior and you want to burn some calories and do right. some really hard cardio we've got classes for that too totally free um so the park is a great place to to get fit get moving if you just want to take a walk we've got more than 40 miles of trails we've got mountain bike trails if you don't have a bike you can rent one here we have road bikes and mountain bikes um, we do have a treetop adventure course, our Go Ape course. It's incredible. If you're really looking for some, some high adventure, pun kind of intended right, there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, it's uh, 40 feet up in the air, all sorts of rope obstacles, and then six zip lines going across one of our lakes. Uh, it's beautiful. It's challenging. And it's just so much fun. <laughs> Um, we've got the incredible playground that I mentioned, and in the summer months, if you've got kids that are 10 or under, we have uh, the water play spray ground. It's a, a little splash pad right on the lake's edge. Uh, lots of fun geysers, ton of fun for the kids. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, so the first weekend that I came, it was, you had a 5K going and there was a bunch of stuff out and it was like perfect because it's like you can you can come and spend five or six hours here but the part that I loved most is the diversity the different not even abilities uh you know it was just people being humans and having fun and it truly is a park for everyone because there's so much to do whatever you know you 
you want, you can do it here pretty much. So going back to you, because you are just a bright light. And um, so what did you always want a career of this capacity? I mean, did you kind of think, oh, no, I think I'm going to go do something else. And then the park called you in or it's uh I'll say yes and no okay. I I had always hoped to do something that was creative uh which I do get to do here quite a bit uh but I I wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than myself there there's so much value in in doing work that makes a difference uh, and the part kind of fit, fit all of that so being able to to be in communications and tell the park story I love teaching, but not necessarily in a classroom setting, right. but, but getting to do things like this, to, to share this incredible story with, with people and get to know their stories. Right. Um, that's, that's a really special thing to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, that's our goal for this is to just share stories of people who are making a positive difference. And I think it's obvious by now that this is absolutely what's happening. So what, made you was there a certain point where you said okay I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in like Shelby Farms I believe in what they're doing and you can see that this is gonna happen for a long time was there a moment like that for you there was uh, when I was working on the summer camps um, my during my internship when I was kind of planning all of them uh, that was a special time for me but that that first week of summer camp um, we worked really hard to make sure our camps were accessible to all children from all over the city. So we had an incredible uh, partnership that allowed us to um, provide scholarships and provide um, rides. Uh, we don't do that same format anymore, but that particular summer we did. And like you mentioned, that this is a park for everyone, there was just this moment that I was able to kind of look out over my campers um, after the icebreakers and the awkwardness of meeting yeah. new people and being scared. And we had kids who had never been outdoors before, really. They had never spent any time in nature. Um, and by the end of that week, seeing them playing together in this space, um, and the most poignant thing for me, we, we read the book, The Lorax. Oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, the very first day of camp. Um, and, and these kids, some of them, as I mentioned, had never really spent time in nature. And um, I wasn't really sure if everyone was paying attention to the book um, right. as little kids, you know, six, six seven, eight yeah. years old. Um, and the very last day of camp, I asked them to draw their favorite place to play. And one of my campers who had never spent any time um, really outside of his neighborhood painted this beautiful picture of him standing on a tree stump as the Lorax oh. in the playground. Oh, that's um, so cool. And that that got me. That's it. <laughs> that yeah. got me, this kid who had never, he didn't, you know, he had never spent time among the trees and right. to say I'm a champion for the trees. Yeah. I thought we can do, if we can do this, we can do so much more for the city. And right. to be around a group um the people that work at the park, our team is incredible. Uh, I can't speak highly enough of everyone that's right. here. This is really and truly a passion project yeah. for everyone that's here. Um, and and to be a part of that is, there aren't words. <laughs> right, because every person that I talk to is just the nicest person. They all have this common goal of just 
doing what you love and sharing the park, mm-hmm. and it's such an incredible thing. So, uh, okay, so we know the summer camps mm-hmm. happen, correct? How how else can people get involved? If I was someone who, you know, maybe is in Memphis and they're thinking, oh, I, maybe I want to do some work with Shelby Farms, how can you get involved? We have great volunteer opportunities, whether you're looking for a one-off opportunity or a long-term commitment. Uh, we've got all sorts of opportunities for you from planting trees to helping remove invasive species to sometimes we even need help running the front desk. Uh, so if there's an interest and you have a skill that you want to put to use in a way that would benefit the park, please contact us. Right. <laughs> so so if I wanted to come visit for a weekend, mm-hmm. um, I know you guys offer memberships. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about those for a sure. minute, that'd be great. Uh, membership is one of the easiest ways to, to become a park supporter uh, for as little as $35 a year. That's just $35 a right. year. That's less than, I think, $3 a month. I'm not great at that. That's math. like four cups of coffee these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, so that money is used directly to care for operational support of the park, uh, but in return you'll get all year round, a discount in our gift shop, a discount on bike rentals, a discount on boat rentals, a discount on our summer camps. You'll get uh, all sorts of discounts throughout the, the park. Um, and in addition to that, you'll, you'll get to know that you are helping make this space special for everyone else. Yeah, because you're feeding the buffalo. You're feeding the buffalo. Yeah, exactly. I just like to think that, like, <laughs> someone has a handful of food, and it's, like, got my name on it, and it goes, here was that 50 cents. Well, we do have a, you won't get to physically feed the buffalo yourself, but we do have a feed the herd donation program, so you can oh, donate stop it. directly. And, oh, I'll do you one better. You can adopt a buffalo. Okay. And we'll send you home with a just send cute me, little plush Just send toy. me the invoice. All right. Just send me the invoice. Yeah. Because if I can say, oh, yeah, I've got a buffalo, and I can just choose his name. You sure can. Oh, my goodness. You'll Is there a certificate? certificate? Oh, yes. I'm so <laughs> excited now. Well, um, so what else? Is there any other ways that – do you have something coming up? Because I I looked on – I know you do, and that's why I'm asking <laughs> for asking. other people. Yeah. We have um, – throughout the summer, we have some great smaller activities. We have outdoor movie nights coming mm-hmm. up throughout the summer, a brand-new series. You'll get to watch movies outdoors on the lake's edge, bring a picnic blanket, bring dinner, a lot of fun for all ages. Those will be going on throughout the summer. We have some other programs called Canoes and Cocktails. It's an opportunity to get out and paddle and take a guided tour of the park and then do some farm-to-table drinks and snacks. Um, And all the funds from those go back to the park. Um, And then in the fall, um, we have um, some great fun going on with a lot of music and just um, educational programs. And then we have every year our largest annual fundraiser, Starry Nights, uh, which has been a Memphis tradition for years and years and years. And that's the the largest holiday light show and festival in the Mid-South. I was so upset because when I first came here, I saw posters from that. And I was like, oh, just missed it. Well, um, thank you again for joining us. We are very, very excited to share this story because for people who don't really know about Shelby Farms, the amount of work and energy and time and really passion that goes into this place is unbelievable. I think that there's bigger plans and I'm sure you kind of know behind the scenes a little (laughs) bit but I really I really see this being a place that models for the world 
how parks should be because it's very minimalistic. That's what I've realized is there's not like a big show to attract. And it's like kind of what residents said they wanted is it was a retreat. It was someplace where they can go from their nine to five Mm -hmm. and just relax. And that's that's what I did my first weekend. I was like, okay, I just need to go somewhere. I'm tired. We're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) Three million people a year is just unheard of. It's It's wild, right? It's crazy. I think Central Park only gets that, and I'm not trying to dog on Central Park, but I am (laughs) going to a little bit. I think they only see the numbers because where it's located, but the authenticity that comes here and people. And so I really, really want to thank you and for everyone that's listening and from Shelby Farms. I want to thank them as well because what you're doing for this community is unheard of. It's really, really, really changing Memphis and the positivity that is here. It's incredible. It's everyone just being human and getting along. So on behalf of Ethan and I, we like to do this little thing where it's like, we like to thank you for being next door heroes because it's, you guys literally are next door and it's not like some big production. It's just people being people. And so we thank you, you specifically, because you've got such a bright personality about you. And then Shelby Farms as a whole for being next door heroes. And we really, really hope that people will hear this and just come flooding because it's such a great place. We hope that you get to go home after that because, <laughs> because there's going to be so many people here, but we are very, very excited. And thank you once again for being next door heroes. You got anything else? Other than just to say thank you for, for this opportunity, being able to, to share the story beyond our, our regular channels is so important. And uh, I want to thank you for putting all that well, positivity. Thanks. Like, let's just spread as much positivity as possible. Absolutely. Let's spread Buffalo love as much as we can. I think, you know what we're going to do? We're going to buy some stickers and we're going to hand them out on your it. behalf. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you again, Rebecca, for being on Next Door Heroes. And we really appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Next Door Heroes. Like and subscribe to stay up to date with incredible people doing incredible things. Follow us on social media at the Next Door Heroes podcast. And be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.